The Ewan Grant Podcast, the Limestone Coast Triple M. G'day, it's Ewan. Welcome to the Ewan Grant Podcast and welcome to everyone joining me on the Listener app. In today's podcast, Limestone Coasters, I am going to catch up with a mate who is fascinated by politics. We've got nine candidates for the Barker of Electorate and he is going to tell us why it's important to know their policies before we go to the polls tomorrow. Also, there is cycling all weekend and Dean Zevin's going to join me for all the information that you need to know about the 100 mile classic. And if that's not enough, the council this week, we're talking finance in their monthly council meeting, asset plans, financial plans, and of course, budget, plus the Blue Lake Sports Park master plan. Sarah Philpot is the CEO of the Mount Gambier City Council. She and I are going to chat about all of that, but let's get things underway. Dean Zevin joins me to talk 100 mile classic in the Limestone Coast this weekend. G'day, Dean. Good morning, Ewan. Dean, you have got a couple of huge days of racing in the Limestone Coast. It's going to be an exciting weekend. Yeah, it's going to be massive. Yeah, with the 100-mile classic um, on the Saturday and the State Commission Championships on the Sunday around the Blue Lake. Now, mate, from memory, you're one of the blokes that have done the 100-mile classic in the past. What's it like to do this race? Um, yeah, it is tough and gruelling, I can tell you. Um, the, the race... Starts in Mount Gambia, heads out towards Congarong, um, heads into Tantanola through um, Millicent, turns around back over the, the Mile Hill um, and into Glencoe. That always sorts a few people out in the Mile Hill. Um, and then the road down to Port MacDonald and back. Um, if it's blowing a gale down at Port MacDonald, that really makes it tough on the way home. Now, take me through the riders, because we've got a, a whole heap of riders and some Olympic riders that are going to come down and take part in the cycling this weekend. Yeah, the Australian track um, pursuit team, uh, the men's team, is, is here in full. So we've got Josh Duffy, Graham Frisley, Connor Lee and James Moriarty. So they've just come fresh back from Canada. Um, they won the Australian... Uh, so they won the gold medal for the team's pursuit, the world gold medal for team's pursuit just recently. Wow. And uh, some local riders that are going to have a crack at it as well? Yeah, look, our local um, number one rider, Nick Kidman, is actually in the same group as that uh, Olympic team. So he's going to be um, really struggling to stay with them, I imagine, but he will do his best. And we have, um, yeah, of course, we've got Matt Offerman, uh, Rob Mann, and some some new riders um, having a crack as well. Mm, absolutely. Now, uh, on the Saturday with the 100 Mile Classic, what time is uh, everything going to get underway? And are spectators welcome to to be along the route to uh, to watch the riders go past? Yeah, we we certainly um, welcome any spectators from anywhere. There's some good spots in Millicent, um, as well as uh, the Mile Hill, um, and on the way back. To Port McDonald and on the way down to Port McDonald, but yeah, we start um, just near the Millard Street and White Avenue. So just uh, we have a sign on at the BMX Club. So yeah, spectators more than welcome to watch us start uh, the race, and then the finish, of course, is in front of the police station um, on Bay Road. So welcome as many spectators that can get there, and expect that the finish to be um, from about quarter to two through to uh, about quarter past two. The most riders will be coming through the finish line. And, mate, for the Camis on Sunday, take us through what's going to happen there. 
So that starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. We start with the juniors straight off, um, the under-13s, under-15s and under-17s. And then we'll do, um, at 10 o'clock, we'll do the D-grade, C-grade and B-grade men, followed by the elite women, and then followed by the elite men, which will be the state Kamis Championships. They'll do 75 minutes round and round the, the lake, finished by two laps. So, yeah, it's about four point three kilometres around and they'll be doing about six minute kilometres so they'll be really flying. Just incredible. Now for people who want to know more about the cycling and what's going on this weekend, do you guys uh, have all the info on Facebook? Yes, we have a lot of information on Facebook um, and we have a great program that you can come and grab a copy of if you come out to the race. Hey Dean, good luck this weekend. It's going to be sensational. Weather's looking great to be on the bike as well. Good luck. I hope it goes well. Thank you Ewan. All right, Lowestoke Coasters, as we end the working week in Starla, I tell you what, there was a council meeting this week and a lady who knows all about what went on at council is the CEO, Sarah Philpott. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, goodness, Sarah, you guys spent a little bit of time looking at the finances of council. Yes, that's right. So this was a, a big financial meeting for council. We had several reports up and I'll just work my way through because they're all a little bit related to each other. Yeah. So firstly, uh, council had a look at our budget review three for the current financial year and looked at our position there and adopted that report. And the reason that matters is because that recognised that there's been some grant funds, additional grant funds come in this year that we're expecting next year. That affects our position for now and also budget review three forms the basis of um, future planning for our next budget as well so council looked at that as the first item and then we've got a series of strategic documents which all councils need to have that are going out for community consultation so they are our asset plans so asset plans look at all of our what we call asset classes, that's everything from our roads and our footpaths and our buildings, you know, all of those um, infrastructure assets which form the foundation of our city. So we have asset management plans which look at the life of those assets, their condition and how much money and um, time we need in order to renew them or replace them. So asset management plans are a really important tool for council to manage all of those essential bits of the infrastructure mm. and then they form the basis of our, our thinking around our long-term financial position so council also has a long-term financial plan which looks at the next 10 years and what that does is says uh, you know what are we predicting in terms of uh, revenues and expenses how much are we going to spend on capital works what are our likely grant uh, resources over that time and then predicts that out over the next 10 years and then out of that the very first year of that long-term financial plan is next year's budget so we had our annual business plan and budget document uh, as a draft go up before council and that sets out the programs of services and works that we'll be doing over the coming 12 month period and also um 
sets a, the basis on which we will uh, raise our rate revenue as well as a, you know consideration of any borrowings and uh, services that we'll provide as well as our capital works program. So the reason I wanted to talk about all of those is because uh, the asset plans, the long-term financial plan and the budget, annual business plan and budget document are out for consultation for a period of about three weeks and then we're taking public submissions uh, both in writing. In the meantime, people can go onto the website uh, to your say and give us feedback, uh, but there's also an opportunity for people to present to Council at a special meeting on the 14th of June when Council will consider all of the feedback we've received from the community. So quite a bit going on in that space, but it's all about financial management and making sure that uh, you know we're clear about what we're doing over the next 12 months, but also beyond that over the next 10 years. And Sarah, the one thing that everybody is going to want to know, are our rates going to increase in the budget planning for next year? Yeah, so um, our draft budget is based on a 4.5% rate revenue increase. Now what that means is our total bucket of money that we get from rates, from all different kinds of rates, whether you're a commercial property or residential, uh, needs to increase by 4.5%. And what that, that means is it depends on your valuation and the rate in the dollar that um, we then apply will determine the actual rates you play, pay on your property. So, um, so it doesn't mean that everybody's individual rates will go up by 4.5%. It will depend on a whole bunch of other factors, but it's our total revenue bucket will go up by that much. At this point, we're estimating for an average residential uh, property that might be in the order of about $50 increase but that's still to be determined because we need the valuation information that's the other part of the equation which determines what each individual property ends up paying. And Sarah given the the pressures on cost of living at the moment is that something that that uh, I suppose uh, has a factor in in council's thinking of, of rate increases? Yeah, so certainly, I mean, although um, we had always intended for our long-term financial plan to account for 4.5% increases over the life of the plan, mm. so in spite of the cost of living pressures, which have obviously seen um, some items go up above that, we've maintained it at that predicted 45 but we're certainly conscious of the impact of um, those cost of living pressures, um, also in terms of council's own budget and affordability of the services that we need to provide. So, you know, it's certainly something that we're, we're mindful of, but we have maintained it at that 4.5%, which is what we had predicted we would do. So um, so we haven't changed from that position. Absolutely. Now, Sarah, one of the other things that's uh, taking place with Council at the moment, uh, the Blue Lake Sports Park is under a bit of a spotlight at the moment with a master plan. Yeah, that's right. This is really exciting work. Um, we have spoken before about our sport, recreation and open space strategy mm. and that forms the basis of the way we think about how we develop all of our green and open spaces including organised sport and obviously Blue Lake Sports Park is a really big facility for us and with lots of different sports and community groups using it. So this is the first cab off the rank for master planning after the adoption of the Sport Rec and Open Space Strategy. And what the master plan does is looks at a couple of future options. So there's option one, which uh, basically is a bit of a, bit of a lighter touch. It offers 
a baseline solution and looks at bringing all of the facilities up to standard, to compliance and sporting standard. And then there's an option two, which is a, um, a shared community facilities. It really builds on um, those facilities and does look at how to really make the most of the space. So the advantage of the master plan, though, is it's not that it says all of these activities will happen all at once. It allows us to stage growth and um, development of that site and look for grant funding and you know see how we can deliver it. But it means that what we don't do is, um, because we've got a picture already about what we think the component parts are, it means that we don't do a piece of work and then go, oh, no, we've got to undo that because something else needs to be done or that's prevented us from developing something else. We now have the whole picture in front of us, and that means that we can, um, you know, we can develop it gradually over time without um, any redundant works. But the the important thing again with this one is that it's another piece of work that's out now for community consultation. So along the way, we've spoken to all of the sporting groups and lots of people who use uh, Blue Lake Sports Park, and they've informed this design. But now we're going out to the wider community to seek any other feedback, any thoughts we haven't already covered off. So this one's also out for consultation, and we'd love to hear people's thoughts on it. Sarah, it is always good to find out what's going on at Council. Thanks, Hughes, for uh, having a chat to us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Now, Livestone Coasters, as we go to the polls, if you are sitting there going, why should I vote? I want to introduce you to a bloke who is a friend of mine. He is passionate about the political process, about the idea of voting in the federal election, and he joins me for a chat. G'day, David. Good morning. How are you? I'm sensational. David, you you are belying the fact that you are very excited about tomorrow night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited that you called me your friend. (laughs) I can now say I've got one. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I think this year, uh, all the planets have lined up. We get to vote not just once, not just twice, but with the local government elections, we get to vote three times in in a world where democracy is really important. Why is it important to vote and to to have your say in the political process? Yep. I might preface this by saying I am a public servant. Mm-hmm. I won't say which government or which department or anything like that, but I've been a public servant for over a decade. So I know what happens on the inside of a government when a government changes right? or when it stays the same. And I think um, a lot of the voting public don't appreciate the the gravity of how important their vote is. And I'm always banging on, and you and I have had this conversation, always banging on about make sure your vote counts. Make sure you go out there and actually look at who's on the, on the candidate list, mm-hmm. what their policies are, and go and meet them. Now, as excluding my, what my, my daytime job is, I make a point of getting in contact with the, the candidates to try and find out what type of person are they? Are they the type of person that could represent me in the parliament? Because that's their essential job. That's what they're going to do if they get voted in by us. That's what they're supposed to do. And that's what the constitution says they're going to do. So it's really important to know that the person that you're putting as number one or number two or number three or through to number nine is the most likely person to represent what your values and opinions are. And also, really importantly, these people make laws. It's 
very common to have a conversation where people go, I don't like this particular law. It might be a road law or it might be a housing law. Or, you know, any of those laws are changeable. You have to speak to your politician who represents you and your values and convince them that they need to change the law. And then they can go and do that. So this is why it's important that we know the the ideas of the candidates that we are voting for. Very, very much so. So each candidate um, has a set of policies, and I don't know about you, but I go through those policies pretty meticulously to try and work out, you know, refugees, is that important to me? Mm. Fiscal policy, is that important to me? And with each of those policies, I try and work out where do I fit? Where does that particular candidate fit? And then I also use, a, um, you know, it's another, another media outlet's service, but it's called the Vote Compass. Well, talking about that, I mean, the the, the papers, the television, uh, us with the listener app, everybody has gone above and beyond to talk to the candidates of Barker to yeah. give people a bit of an idea as to where they align in the political sphere, where they align on a, a moral judgment type of thing, yep. and and hopefully will give you an idea of the people that you want to see representing you when you do vote tomorrow. Yeah, and they have. And I think it's really important to get your source of information from as many sources as possible, as well as going to their website, the actual candidate's website, and having a look at what their policies are. Because if you don't do that, sometimes the headlines can be a little bit uh, not on point. Why should people not walk into the electoral booth tomorrow and have a donkey vote for sake of argument? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, don't do a donkey vote. Um, even if you think, and I've got a few friends who have just gone, there's nobody worth voting for. Even if you think that, you still need to look at the candidate list and go, well, Rank them from worst to least worst. <laughs> Who do I hate less? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, your vote actually really will count. And um, even in a safe seat, a vote, every single vote counts. And the more people who actually exercise that that right to vote and, and use it actually change and influence the way the not only this seat turns out, but the entire government. And, and and that's the thing. It, at the end of the day, tomorrow's election is going to change the way that Australia uh, heads or the direction of Australia for the next four years and possibly for the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's real change. Um, even if we kept the status quo, it is still real change because we have a new government that comes in, potentially new ministers. Um, the The incumbent government has gone forward with some policies so those policies would be implemented every four years this this happens and um you know most most public servants that i know we sit back and we watch and we try and work out which government is going to take control and what are their policies and and how do we go about making those things happen on the ground the most important thing, I suppose, is that there are a number of places in the world where uh, democracy isn't uh, something that happens. There are a lot of places where you don't yeah. get to vote, and Australia yeah. is a very, very lucky country. And tomorrow, it is our right to have our say uh, about the political leaders who will lead us into the future. Exactly. And I've met quite a few people who have come from those countries who just go, throw their hands up in astoundment that, that people um, are apathetic. And I think that's one of our, our problems. Actually, I, I, I equate voting to, like, exercise and diet. The more you put in, 
the more you get out. <laughs> David, I'll leave it there. It's been great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for coming in and having a chat. Thank you. That's it for today's podcast. I'll be back on Tuesday for everything Limestone Coast. You can catch up with me live on the radio, 6am weekday mornings on the Limestone Coast, 963 Triple M.